Hello, and welcome to the Five Core Life Podcast with Will Moore, founder of More Momentum. If you're not already, go ahead and pound that subscribe button so you get notified when episodes air every week. In today's episode titled Become Unstoppable, Growth Strategies for Startups, host Will Moore sits down with Brad Sugars, best-selling author, keynote speaker, and top business coach. You'll learn how to combine action with leverage to explode your growth. Brad shares a treasure trove of actionable advice on how to become unstoppable in business and life. He shares his proven formula for growing a business with the four cores, as well as the five cores for exponential growth, and the three pieces of advice he got at 16 years old from Jim Rohn that led to his success. A little bit more about Brad Sugars. Brad Sugars is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and the number one business coach in the world, claiming the spot of over nine CEO positions in his career. Sugar started the Action Coach brand in 1993 in Brisbane, Australia. The company is now ranked as the leading business coach franchise by Entrepreneur Magazine with operations in over 80 countries, more than 1,000 coaches globally, and coaching 15,000 businesses every week. Action Coach has received a lot of recognition for their continual growth in business. Using the coaching strategies that have helped thousands of companies around the world, Brad Sugars has been able to keep Action Coach in its most profitable and best years ever in the face of challenging economic conditions. Are you ready to fire on all cylinders? If so, let's go! Everyone has the same five core areas of their life that ultimately determine how happy they'll be. Unfortunately, most of us have developed failure habits in each, and it's Will Moore's mission to help replace those with success habits to maximize momentum. After exiting his business for a combined nine-figure sum, Will learned it's not just about becoming an entrepreneur of your career, but an entrepreneur of the most important business you'll ever run, your life. Hey, Brad. How are you, buddy? Good, good, good. It's good to be here. I'm really excited about this. This is a great conversation and great subject. Yeah. I mean, I love that your, your whole thing is action, coach. You know, I mean, it's like that to me, if I could sum up in one word, um, I was before, right before you got on, I was talking about I'm, re, I'm rereading Atom, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I don't know if uh -huh. read that. Most, most people in our field have. Um, and he kind of talks about the difference between um, preparation. I can't remember the word he uses. It'll come to me. But and then just action, whereas a lot of us, we keep ourselves busy in life. And we, you know, we think we're being productive, but we're kind of more keeping ourselves busy to play it safe so we don't have to actually take those actions where we're putting ourselves out there and can risk being judged and failing and whatnot. So welcome. I would love to get your take on all this. And I know you've grown this a huge business. Well, first, let me introduce you. So Brad Sugar's best-selling uh, keyno uh, author, keynote speaker, number one business coach in the world, claiming the spot over nine, nine CEO positions in, in your career. Um, Action Coach is the name of your company, right? Business. And you're from Brisbane, Australia. Is that correct? That is true. Australian by birth, now live in Las Vegas. Married an American, got stuck here. So. Very nice. So picking up on that accent. I love me some Australian. I think Australian accent's the coolest accent, really, out of all of them. I mean, as it's, an American. It's definitely up there on the list, and it's very laid back, that's for sure. Yeah. It just sounds fun to talk, Australian. Um, anyways, I could go on and on, but I'll let, I'll let you kind of get into some of the, you know, as we talk, I'll be asking some questions and, and bottom line is, you know, you, you frame, you've, you created this business, you're helping people and you franchised it out. So where now you have what, over a thousand coaches under you that are out there helping people. Is that right? Yeah, we have, we have around a thousand officers, just over a thousand officers in 81 countries. We coach, uh, 
somewhere around 18, it's just over 18,000 business owners every week and about 200 and something thousand every month. So we, we work with business owners from Russia to Chile, you name it, we're there sort of thing, helping coach them to grow their business. And so it's a lot of fun for us, keeps us very busy, that's for sure. But it comes down to, you know, there's a recipe for business growth. It's like a recipe for a cake. You know, if you understand the recipe, you can grow it. If you don't understand the recipe, you're going to struggle. Well, let's get into the recipe. So do you have a basic formula that you use when you go in, a basic structure to help these companies? And who are the types of companies that you're helping? Is it all over the map, any type of company, or is it specific niche, any, niches? Any industry, and it really comes back to um, – is the person coachable? You know, is the person running the business, do they want to learn? Do they want to grow? And it's been real interesting this last sort of 12, 18 months, you know, in 20, sort of from 2012 to 20, start of 2020, the, you know, the rising tide floated all boats. And there are a lot of people who thought, you know, I'm great at business. It's just that the economy was doing phenomenally well. Now what we saw is there was a lot of people whose arrogance disappeared because it was like, you know, and maybe I wasn't that good at business. Maybe I was just doing well because the market was doing good. And, you know, this is my fourth downturn running my companies through. And um, I, I currently have 11 companies that either I'm the major shareholder or, or, or a large shareholder in. Um, and every single one of them going through this period had to do exactly what every other business owner is, is doing. That's learn how to survive first and thrive second. And, and that's sort of what we did. But yeah, ultimately, I, I wrote a book many years ago called The Business Coach, which after we had already coached 13,000 business owners to success, I then wrote our formula out. And this is the formulaic approach to growing a business. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, they, they look at stuff and they think, oh, I'll just work harder, I'll do more. And, you know, my, I think lately I've, I've been on a bit of a tangent because I'm sick and tired of hearing this hustle and grind stuff because, in my opinion, hustle and grind is literally the new stupid um, it's, it's the whole thing of working hard to cover up the inefficiencies of the business. So, um, you know, at Action Coach, what we try and do is help people understand that formulaic approach. And we can go th right through that if you wanted to. Sure, let's do it. So we start, at, it's, it's a six-level approach. We start at the bottom where we uh, do a simple thing called mastery. And mastery is about four areas of the business. And what we're trying to do here is move a business from chaos to control. And in some cases... Um, you know, let, let's be real blunt. Uh, in some cases, the uh, business is already in control, but in most cases, the business is running the owner, not the owner running the business. Let's put it that way. And if we go back to my definition of a business, business is a commercial profitable enterprise that works without you. Okay. If, if you have to actually run the business, it's not really a business. It's a job. You work for yourself. And you know, I always remember thinking, you know, when I, when I had to show up every single day to make the business work, if I had to show up for it to work, then I didn't work for, you know, I worked for a crazy person at that point in time. It wasn't smart, you know, I, I didn't build a business. And that's where I still remember back to, my dad would always say to me as a kid, you can get paid to work from the neck up or the neck down, neck up pays more. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's why the, the thinking work, well, is the hardest work to do. I mean, that's, right. that's the thing. So in that mastery segment, we look at four things. First of all, profitability. So we need to know the numbers. Average business owner, if I wanted to see their numbers at the end of the week, they could show me their sales numbers or how much is in the bank, but they couldn't show me their actual profitability for the week or what, you know, real numbers for the business. 
Second thing is about productivity. So making sure we've got productivity in the humans in the organization because productivity in today's world equals profitability. Let's, let's be blunt about, about that sort of thing. If people aren't productive, then we're not getting it. The third is really about the direction of, of the business. What direction is the business headed in? What are the goals? What are the, the, you know, the stepping stones along the way? Because again, most businesses do not have clarity on their goals. And I'm talking granular goals. Like what are your daily number of referral goals? How many referrals do you want today? How many- It's, it's amazing how many people, don't, sorry to interrupt you there, but yeah. I, 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 it just, I scream from the rooftops almost on a daily basis. How, um, I mean, don't get me started on my soapbox about the <laughs> system being screwed up and, and the fact that they don't really teach you goals yeah. in, in, in most standard educational systems, which is crazy. It's just sort of like one of those things where, like, oh, yeah, I know goals are good to have, but it's like that should be just like you learn your, your how, to, how to add and subtract. Like by the time you get out of school, like that should be part of everything that you do. Listen, I, my foundation is all about teaching kids to become entrepreneurs rather than employees. So it's like, I want you to leave school and give someone a job, not leave school and go and get a job because that's the fundamental. But in, in, uh, I, I did my training programs, my very base level ones is called 30X because it's 30 minutes a day for 30 days. So I have 30X business, 30X life and 30X wealth. And uh, they're all about giving people the fundamental cause to run a great business, the fundamental cause to live a great life, the fundamental cause to build wealth in your life. Because, as you said, most people don't learn that stuff. And, you know, let's let's I go back to mine. My, my dad couldn't teach me how to run a great business. My mom couldn't teach me all those things. I mean, life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mom and she's not always perfect. So, you know, what, where are you going to learn that stuff? So. Um, the fourth area, if I just complete on that one, because I know there'll be some high detail oriented people sitting there going, what's the fourth thing? What's the fourth one? So the fourth one is, uh, is the delivery of the product or service. Okay, so uh, is there consistency of delivery of the product or service? And getting those four fundamental core areas right is where we have to start with every business. And once you know your numbers, you've got productivity happening, you're in the right direction, you've got the goals moving, and, and you're ultimately delivering with consistency, then you can move on to the second level, which is where we get into the marketing, where we okay. look at your niche and we sit down and say, okay, how are you buying customers? And I want to use that word very clearly. Marketing is, if you want to get the definition of marketing, it's the buying of lifetime customers. So you actually have to buy customers. You actually have to, if you, if you spent $1,000 on advertising and it got you 10 new customers, you just spend $100 to buy each customer. Now, buying customers then comes with the understanding if you're buying a lifetime customer, what's your return on investment for your marketing? Because marketing should be an investment if it's done properly. And that's where, again, I can take you through the most simplistic, easiest formula in the world to understand sure. marketing. In fact, Personally, I think this is probably the most important lesson any business owner can learn, this formula, if anyone wants to write it down. It's five things. I'm, I'm taking notes as we're, we're going through all this, by the way. So perfect, so. perfect, buddy. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, so the formula for growing any business uh, from a marketing perspective is leads times conversion rate. So leads or prospects or potential customers multiplied by your conversion rate uh, equals your number of customers. So then your number of customers is then multiplied by your number of transactions and your average sale. So number of transactions is like repeat business rate. Average sale is the average amount of, of um, uh, money spent per transaction per customer. 
So leads by conversion equals customers, customers by number of transactions by average sale equals total revenue. So, so, sorry. so leads by conversion equals customers. Yep. Number of yep. customers is then multiplied by number of transactions and multiplied again by average sale. Okay. Yep. So those three things, customers by, conver by transactions by, uh, sorry, customers times transactions times average sale equals your total revenues of the business. Okay. Then from, from revenues of the business, then you want to multiply by margins and that gives you your take home profitability. So there's three results in there and five actual numbers that you can change. The three results are number of customers, revenues, and profitability. Now, the problem with that is, guess what? When most business owners come looking for help, what are they asking for help about? Number of customers, revenues, and profitability. They're looking at the results and saying, I need to change these results. Well, the only way to change those results is to break it into the five key components. Leads, by conver leads conversion, transactions, average sale, and margins. Those five areas, my first ever book I wrote, Instant Cash Flow, I literally documented 280 different strategies, like 70 in each of those things, to say, here's the 70 ways to generate leads. I think now we're up to 80-something because you've added all the internet-based strategies and all that sort of stuff. And there's 80-odd strategies to improve your conversion rate. And again, 70-odd strategies to improve your repeat business rate. And when you look at the average business, say, okay, how many lead generation strategies the average business using? Two. You look at the average business, say how many uh, conversion rate strategies they're using? Two or three. What's their repeat business number of strategies? Maybe one or two. And so when you sit down and you look at that fact of how you actually grow a business, that's, that's where we get the real results right there. Got it. So the leads, conversions, transactions, average sales, and margins are the five main, what are those? Yeah, they're the five core drivers to the profitability. So if you sit down and you work on those five, like if you just increase each of them by 10%, in fact, if, if people want to, there's a video on, uh, on my YouTube channel, which is just Brad Sugar's Five Ways, where I break that down for like 10, 15 minutes if someone wants real detail on that, or it's in any of my books. You, you can read it oh. in those things. So that's stage two of building a business. First is the mastery. The second is the marketing. The third, then we go to systemization of the business. Because, you know, simple things like to get consistency of a business, you need systems. And the base systems are things like checklists. Like uh, I was doing an interview the other day and, and the guy was talking to me about getting consistency in his people. I said, well, show me the checklist they follow. And the guy looked at me and he said, well, they don't have a checklist. And I said, well, there's your answer. You know, if, if you don't right. provide your people with a system or a checklist or something of that nature, how do you expect them to perform consistently? It's like... You go and get on an airplane tomorrow, pilot follows a checklist. How come? They want to live. You know, they like 100% success rates. It's, it's not a, a hard fact of a debate. But when you sit and you look at it from a business perspective, most business people aren't willing to build the systematic methodologies. And again, uh, in my book, we go through the whole nine steps to systemization of any business. And I think that's an important aspect to understand. Fourth area, and, and this is where it starts to get exciting. Fourth is where we build team. And again, I teach the six keys to a winning team so that you can go through and learn how to build team in an organization. But once you've got those... Key? What's that? What are those six keys? They're in the book. That's a good, good sales point. Thanks, Will. Thanks for setting <laughs> up on that one. Really, really appreciate that. Well, I'm um, taking show notes too. I'll, I I'll, start, I'll give you the first one. The first one is strong leadership. So we have to start with strength of leadership. And so... Uh, and again, if someone wants to, on my YouTube channel, there's a, a whole 20 minutes on the difference between um, uh, management and leadership and how you have to have both 
to, to actually get real results in there. But once you've set those four building blocks in place, what you've actually done is you've built the core base of any business. You've built that core. And, and the same as what, say, Ray Kroc did with McDonald's. See, the McDonald brothers built that core, right? And then Ray Kroc came in and did the fifth level of growing a business, which is what we call synergy. Synergy is where you go from, say, 30% growth to 30 times growth. Synergy is where you go from, you know, let's add 30% more business this year to where you go and say, all right, our goal now is to take this business that works. It's a business model that works. Right. And let's run that business model out on every street corner or in every country or in every city around the world. And this is where... Um, you know, if you look at the distinct difference between a business that does six or seven figures and a business that does nine, eight, nine, ten figures a year, the, the distinct difference, in fact, you could almost boil this down to be the difference in thinking between, say, a millionaire and a billionaire. Um, and that is that the millionaire creates a business model that runs and they run it in one place and do it well one time. A billionaire takes that same business model and runs it out a thousand times, or they'll take that same business model and do it with 30 different brands, or they'll take, does that make sense? It's like that yes. scale of it. And that's where um, this, my latest book, this one, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat, that goes into that in detail. I'll take you through the five core disciplines if we have time in that book as sure. to the, the, the core disciplines of an exponential growth business, because there is a distinct difference between a business that grows and does one, and then those that hit that synergy level. And then level six, just to complete that, is the level called freedom, where you've built a business that you can sell. And ultimately, the only reason to start a business is to sell it. Now, you don't have to sell it, but you have to build something that is saleable. If it's not saleable, it's not an asset. Real wealth is created by creating an asset in business, by creating something that is exitable, by creating something that you can sell. If you just create a cash flow, Ultimately, you never create real wealth in business. Right. That's Man, we're covering a lot of ground here real fast today. Yeah, I know. Normally, I take show notes, and I'm not used to having this much detail. I'm, I'm scrambling to, because I like to put the <laughs> points in the, uh, it's, all, it's all gold. I mean, it's all great stuff. So um, I don't have, like, I have, like, there's five things, and I won't have each five, but, I'll, you know, I'll say, you know, you got to read your book. That's, someone just said, please show the book again. That's that latest one, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat. Pulling Profits. Yep. So, Fantastic. So, um, okay. So, now, and, and basically, this advice you gave, it looks like you followed it yourself, which is always my favorite type of advice, because you, <laughs> you've essentially taken your model that you're teaching these businesses, and you've done it yourself, and that you've now, like you said, you've repeated it. You've got a thousand. What did you call them? What did you call your people? We have a thousand offices around officers, the world. So. Right. Office, so, offices, like like actual locations. Offices, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, right. so it's not just you behind mm -hmm. your chair, right? Which is not, like you said, exponential growth can't happen that way. You can't scale a business. You got to have a system, um, you know, your, your four things, mastery, marketing, systemization, team, get those down. And then the difference between the millionaire and the billionaire is you just keep reproducing it. And, and if you've done it in an effective way, it's... It's never easy. I won't use that no, part, but no, it's nothing is easy, but it can be a lot simpler than most people make it. I think right. people overcomplicate business. They, they try and make it about too many things. And 
you know, they let, let's be blunt. A lot of people master in minor things. It's it's not that hard. But ultimately, when you get to that phase of creating the model that works, it's now about replication. It's now about doing that. And we we studied that book. Took two years to put together because we studied our clients who were doing the level of growth that we wanted to see. And Monty, my co-author, and I. We, we, we studied what is the distinction between our clients who have exponential growth, that means year-on-year year multiplied growth, versus those who just have a percentage growth, you know, 20% a year, 30% a year type thing. I, I start with the challenge in thinking, and, and this is where if I'm going to challenge someone to think about that growth, what I'm going to challenge them to really do is think about multiply rather than percentage. And I, I guess... The one way I've done that in the last few years is I ask people the question, what is your strategy for opening your business in India? And most of the time I get this blank stare back at me. It's like, what do you mean opening in India? Why would I want to open in India? Well, the fact that you've never even thought about that is the first challenge. Okay. The fact that, see, if, if you look at the average business owner, they're thinking about getting one client. Well, a marketer thinks about getting 100 clients at a time. You know, if the average business owner thinks about adding one employee, uh, an entrepreneur thinks about adding another office or another city or another town or another state or another country to their business type thing. It's not just about doing one at a time. It's about doing multiple and consistently opening multiple offices around the world. And when I talk about opening in India, people kind of like, why India? You know, why not China and why not all that? Well, you know, when, when we look at the... The, the billionaire thinking, right? There is a globalist thinking to a billionaire that doesn't exist in a millionaire type thing. A millionaire thinks of their local town, their local city, their local state, or, or even their local country. The billionaire thinks internationally. You know, we, I live here in Vegas, uh, here in the, well, let's just do it very simple math. The Americas, North and South, about a billion people, right? Uh, Africa, about a billion people. Europe, about a billion people. Asia, about 4 billion people. So where do you want to have your business in 20 years time? You know, where, and I get it, you know, end of the second world war, the U S was 50% of global GDP. I get it. The majority of as to what is that level of scale thinking that you could be going after? What is that? And that's why the five core disciplines are that of strategy, business development, people, execution, and mission. Those five areas have to be, and, and we call sorry, them the what Sorry, go through those again real quick. I'm going to write those down. Strategy is number one. Mm -hmm. And I can break all of these down if we've got time today, but business development number two and in no particular order you can have all five of them working at the same time yep. uh people number three uh execution number four and mission is number five and those five i, I use the term discipline or monty and i use the term discipline because it's it's not something you get right once and then you can just leave it alone Business is a discipline. There is a consistent change in the marketplace. Your competitors are changing. You're changing. The marketplace is changing. You look at the change in marketing that we've had to do in the last year and a half because of COVID and the pandemic. You look at the change in sales strategies and 
you look at the change in empathy that has to be communicated because of that. There's so many changes that have had to have taken place. So I think that's very important. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. You got to adapt. You can't just set it and forget it. You got to constantly be adapting and, and growing. Always adapting, always adapting. I call it ABG. Always, always be growing. Yeah. Well, the, the second law of thermonuclear dynamics says it very clearly. You're either growing or you're dying. And it's like a tree. A tree is either growing or it's dying. A business is either growing or it's dying. A human being, they're either growing or they're dying. You can't, you can't be status quo. Status quo, the market is shifting and changing. Therefore, you're falling backwards. So you, you've got to be growing at any point in time. And that philosophy is one that's very important for business people to understand. Right. 100% agree with that. Uh, I mean, that's my, you know, my, my whole company, my name is more momentum. It's about yep. continually moving. The minute you stop moving and you get complacent, it's all over. Um, okay. So you've been through a lot of these. Um, you've been giving everybody a lot of good tips, but not, not so much that they shouldn't still go out and, and watch your YouTube videos, buy your books. Um, jump on somebody, Amazon or jump on bradsugars.com. There you go. They're all on there. Yeah. I saw somebody put that where they could get it earlier. Um, so I guess, in terms of, you've been doing this for what? How many years? 20? 1993, so almost 28 years. 28 years this August I've been teaching business. What got you, what got you into this? You know, like as a young man, you must have been what, in your 20s when this had like? Yeah, what? I was 20 when I first started speaking. Uh, pure accident. I, um, I was running photocopy shops at the time, so all our customers were small business owners. Um, this is before you had a photocopier in your own home, okay? This is, that starts to give away some of my age. Uh, kind of like Kinko's back in the day. And um, I noticed that our customer base, there was a couple of them that stopped buying from us. And I was like, why are they stopped buying from us? And they were good customers. And I called them up. And what I found out is the reason they stopped buying is they'd, they'd actually gone under. They were, they were gone. And I'm like, huh. So I started writing newsletters about how to grow your business. And from there, I started running events. And then this uh, now very famous guy, Rob Kiyosaki, uh, I met him at an event and he asked me to come and speak at a thing. And like, I, I got paid to fly around the world and go and speak to someone. And I'm sitting there going, hey, that's kind of fun. So, right. you know, here I was 20 years old, people paying me a lot of money to fly around the world and speak and teach what I'd been doing. Cause I had success very young in business and, and that's fairly rare, I guess, in, in this day and age. And so, you know, I started teaching and then people would ask me the question of, well, can you help me? And I'm like, well, I don't have any time. I'm running my own business. I'm speaking every now and again, I'm flying around the world. So listen, why don't you call me every week and I'll kind of coach you through this thing. And hence, the business coaching industry began in 1993 when uh, people started asking me for advice. And all I, I didn't have the time to give yeah. them real time, so I just chatted to them as much as I could. And eventually, I sat down and said, hang on. Because, you know, when there's a time in business when people keep asking you, hey, do you do this? Do you sell that? And you get asked that question enough times, eventually, you got to sit back and say, Maybe I should do that as a right. business. That's how I started too, man. I mean, that's why I started doing this because I, I ran a successful business. Uh, mine was, uh, uh, it was like, a, a, you guys have restaurant delivery over there, uh -huh. right? Um, so here the big names are Uber Eats, DoorDash, uh -huh. Grubhub. Um, I don't, what, what is it over where you guys are? Takeout Hero, is that one? 
That, look, I, I'm, I'm living in Vegas. We use Uber Eats and, oh, and DoorDash and that right. as well. So. Right. I forgot you were in the States. So yeah, I had a company. We did that for 10 years. I grew it. This was before those, all those guys started. Right. Um, but we didn't raise money. So look, looking back, I mean, I, we could exit it for billions too, but we, we had a nice healthy exit. I was happy with it, but we bootstrapped it. We did it from the ground up. And, and as we started to grow and we franchised it out, same as you, you know, people were saying, Hey, whoa. first of all, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, Oh man, I had that idea. That's such a good <laughs> idea. I, you know, it's like, Action. I, I, I had the same idea. I just did it and you didn't. And so it's helped and people were always be like, how do you, you know, how do you get it going? And I'd be giving all this free advice away. And finally I'm like, when I sold my business, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to help people and I'm going to show them how I did what I did. And I'm still kind of in the midst. I'm still at the earlier stages. Yeah. yeah it's, look, it's a really cool thing. The, the, the whole thing of helping business people and helping people is such an amazing aspect of what we can do today because of technology and we can, I remember in 2008 when the economy started to go negative and uh, I literally got on the jet and flew around the country and then flew around the world and spent a year and about a million dollars of my own money teaching business to people. And I think I got to like 150,000 business owners. Well, this pandemic in the first, in February, when we started teaching how to survive the pandemic educationally, February of last year, uh, by middle of the year, I'd already reached more than half a million people uh, and I hadn't had to leave my house. Yeah. You know, technology has changed the way we do it. It's like, you know, I, people come on to my uh, educational membership programs and they can be in India, they can be in Indonesia, they can be in, uh, as Rafael is right there in Brazil, and it doesn't matter where I am. It's, it matters that they're looking for that knowledge base and, um, yeah, it's kind of exciting to see all of that stuff and the changes in technology allowing us. I was just in a, a TV studio here the other day that a couple of friends built here in Vegas, and we can, we, we're going to start doing online events, and we can reach 256,000 people every event online. You know? And you start wow. thinking about the possibilities of what technology, because what we've got to look at right now is this pandemic has sped up the virtualization of the world somewhere and i use amazon's numbers amazon said they're doing now their numbers they predicted in 2020 they were doing the numbers of parcels they predicted they'd be doing in 2027 so they they said we've sped up seven years in virtualization and so let's say it's seven to ten years of virtualization if your business has not leapfrogged the virtualization, you're going to get crushed out there in the marketplace. If you haven't learned how to virtualize your staff and, and all those things, then, you know, that would have taken us a period of time and some businesses would have died slowly. This is killing them fast. And, and I remember back to Andy Groves. He was the head of Intel for many, many years and the founder of the OKR movement and all that sort of stuff. And he said, you know, a, a crisis will prove out a business, you know, a, uh, an, uh, an average business will fail in a crisis, a good business will survive a crisis, and a great business will thrive through a crisis. And that's what we've seen through this whole period as to how do you thrive through this whole crisis because you've got to get through this and see this as an opportunity because this wasn't an all-hands downturn. This was a one-third of businesses were put into shutdown, one-third of businesses turned in approximately one third of businesses turned into to, to pivot mode and one third of businesses are in full on 100% absolute thrive mode. Try getting a landscaper today. Try getting furniture. Try buying furniture. Try and buy a couch for your house or a desk or a, 
or anything. Try buying, you know, there's so many things you just can't get now because they're just, they're just selling out left, right, and center. Right. Um, that's, it's an interesting point. And I, I, I'm thinking about what you said, which I 99% agree with the, you know, bad business, good business, great business. Um, there are obviously the exception to the rule, which is you can run a great business, but if it happens to be a restaurant, you know, you, you're, you're screwed. Although but then again, I got, two, I got two food businesses and both of them, one of them not only survived, but is absolutely thriving through this whole thing. And the other one we survived. I mean, we were in a casino here in Las Vegas, our main restaurant that we have, and we had to shut down legally. And we then had to find ways to get that business through and do things that may, you know, that got our business so, to yeah, survive. That's, that's a great, that's a great, let's hear how you were able to well, let's take, the one that's let's take the one that's thriving. So that was, uh, it's a food truck business. So we have food trucks, we go to festivals, concerts, all that sort of stuff. So it's a catering and concert event business. So as soon as this thing shut down, guess how many concerts were going on? None, no festivals, no nothing. So all of that, you know, 12 months of, of business and, and we shut down in the spring, which for us is the biggest time of the year. It's like, oh no, what are we gonna do? Right. So we turned to our commercial kitchen and we said, all right, what's happening right now? Okay, the marketplace, people need to feed their family. They're struggling to get groceries. All right, we can get it because we buy from the wholesaler. Let's just turn into a whole thing about doing amazing stuff. And we started pro providing people with family meals. So come and buy. How many people in your family? Great. Here's the meal for your family at, at really good prices. And so we built this whole business. That business still exists now separate to our food truck business now that the food trucks are back on the road we also then started selling and we did a deal with the whole uh with a, a chain that is a gas station supermarket uh, like little tiny supermarkets and gas stations uh across the entire las vegas valley we're now putting one of our food truck brands in all of their stores because we did that contract during the pandemic so you've got to look at what are people actually buying now you know, like I'll give you another example. One of our clients who was in the chocolate business, retail chocolate store, pandemic hit, shut, closed, couldn't do a thing. Got to think differently. Okay, what are we going to do? People still want chocolate. We invented the Chocolate Lovers Club. It's a weekly or monthly subscription. Uh, for Easter, they went and hired uh, a bunch of kids, put them in Easter Bunny outfits, and you could have the Easter Bunny come to your house and deliver the chocolates to your kids, and your kids could wave at the Easter Bunny bouncing up the street to your house. And they made more sales that Easter than they'd made in any Easter historically in the entirety of the business. And this is where most business owners, they get so stuck in what is my product, what is my service, right. they forget that your job is to make a profit. Your job is to sell what the market wants to buy. This whole thing of, there's two sayings that I absolutely disagree with. One is do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. If you do what you love, you'll work harder than any other person on the planet. You know, that's, that's just a fact because you love what you do. The second is, sell what you love. And, and that to me is the dumbest one ever. You've got to sell what the customers love, sell what the market loves, not sell what you love. If you love a great coffee and the market hates it, don't open a coffee shop for goodness sake. You know, if everyone drinks tea, open a tea store. If everyone eats burgers, open a burger joint. Don't open a vegan place if everyone eats burgers. It just crushes me when I see people get this silly advice out there in the world by these 
gurus that keep telling them you just got to hustle and grind and you, you know oh, anyway yeah. i know that drives you nuts too but it just yeah, gets it's, to that's how we started this whole thing right i mean it's it's, it's working from the head up and um absolutely not just staying like we were talking about james clear not, not just being um busy but being productive and, and you got to work smart and right i mean there's so many different ways to say it it's a universal principle there's there's a different well, the, the hardest work is the thinking work in business the hardest work is the learning work in business what, what we see with business owners in many cases is that they are so wanting to get in and do the hands-on work and whether the hands-on work is cutting hair if you're a hairdresser or, or, or doing accounting. No, the, the, the hard work, the owner's work is the thinking work. If you look at probably the core principle if you, of, of business success and even wealth success is the principle of leverage. Leverage by my definition, so well, let's go back. The mathematical formula for leverage is divide to multiply. So if you break something down into its smallest parts, fix each part, you multiply the end result. Um, Henry Ford with the production line. Well, H.J. Hines actually was the first production line. Everyone says it was Henry Ford, but Hines was the, the best production line guy ever. Um, and ultimately, my definition, though, because teaching people divide to multiply, they didn't really use it. When I teach it my way, people can understand it. And that is this. Do the work once, get paid forever. So do the work once, get paid forever. That is my definition of leverage. So now, you can add to that or at least long-term because you've you, you got to start with long-term before you can get to forever. So, for instance, uh, why do I write a book? How many times have I got to write the book? I write it once, I get paid forever. How many times I invest in real estate? Why do I invest in real estate? Because I buy the house once, I get paid forever. Uh, why do I build businesses? Because I build a business once, it runs without me. Therefore, uh, it, it makes me money forever. So my whole goal in life is everything I do is to work one time and get remunerated forever from that. Now, if we use that for business, uh, actually three ways we can learn that in business. Number one is the difference between employees' work and owners' work. Okay, employee work is do the work once, get paid once. So let's stay with hairdressing because I mentioned that already. Hairdressing, you're cutting hair, the employee cuts hair once, they get paid once. You stop cutting hair, you start getting paid. And I don't care if that's uh, hairdressing or legal or a doctor, it doesn't matter. If you do the work once and get paid once, there's no leverage in that. Therefore, it's not a great business, okay? The middle level, do the work once, get paid long-term, is like the management work in business type thing, okay? And then finally, the owner's work is do the work once, get paid forever. The systemization, the planning, the building, the business that works so you don't have to type thing. That middle stuff, the manager, the, the training of people, the recruiting of people, sometimes the marketing, the sales, where you get a customer once that stays forever type thing. Right. So that then brings me to the second way to learn leverage, and that is your product or service. So the, if, if you look at the product or service in a business, um, what's an example of this? Oh, let's, let's use a simple example. I'm sitting here on my iPhone. Let's use Apple, right? If you go back in the history of Apple, when Steve Jobs first started the Apple company, they were a manufacturer of computers. They made a computer once and sold it once. So when you manufacture, you make it once, you sell it once. Steve Jobs, actually, not only did he only sell it once, he sold it with a debt because they included the software, so he had to continuously upgrade the software included with the computer you bought. Other end of Silicon Valley, you got this guy, Bill Gates, makes a piece of software. Steve Jobs making the best computer available. Bill Gates making a reasonably good piece of software. Not good, not bad, just reasonably good, right? Bill Gates goes on to become the richest person in the world. Why? Leverage. 
made the software once, sold it a billion times. You know, not complex. Steve Jobs ends up getting fired from Apple and having to leave the company. He went off and learned leverage. Where did he learn leverage? Ran this little company called Pixar. To, bought Pixar as a company, spent a couple of million, bought the company, turned it into something that he sold to billion, for billions to uh, Disney Corporation, right? What did he learn? Well, he learned management and, and sales. If you read his biography, he learned uh, management and leadership as well. But what he really learned was leverage. When you make a movie once, how many times can you sell it? Forever and a day. You can sell it a billion times. Disney still sells every Pixar movie ever sold. Disney, by the way, Disney Corporation is the biggest genius in the world at leverage. There is no better genius at leverage. How many ways does Disney sell the mouse? Well, you think of the number of ways and the number of years they've been selling that mouse. The first movie ever Disney ever made, the, the cartoons, they still sell that thing today. Well, they now they're doing remakes. Time. They're doing remakes of their original ones now, live actions. You're right, genius. And you think of it, like I got five kids, so I, I've been smashed by Disney over the years. They put out the movie Frozen. How many different frozen items do you think? I got five daughters. How many frozen items do you reckon I've bought in my lifetime? You know, it's, it's insanity how good Disney is. Anyway, back to, the, to Steve Jobs. <laughs> Steve Jobs comes back to Apple, takes it and turns it into, and by the way, when he came back to Apple, where was it? On the verge of bankruptcy, right? On the verge. Right. He comes back to Apple, turns it into the largest valued company in the world. How? Leverage. He put them into the music business. And, and by the way, Steve Jobs is smarter than me. He didn't do the work once, get paid forever. He did the work, never got paid forever. He never once made a song, yet Apple gets paid for every single song. The apps, you know, they, they built this app business, which came out of nowhere because people wanted to put games on their iPod. Do you remember? I don't know if you're old enough to remember the first iPods actually had games on them you could play. You know, and that's how the app business started. And then they wanted to sell TV shows and movies and bigger games. So they needed bigger screens. They've invented an iPad to have big screens. Now they've invented the big iPad for old people eyes. You know, and, and you sit back and you start looking at it. Steve Jobs took them out of the computer business into the music business. And then people say, well, what happened? Well, they then bought a headphone company. They didn't buy a headphone company. They bought Beats because Beats had the subscription contracts with all the music business. Sony invented the iPod, right? The MP3 player. Sony now pays Apple 30 cents on the dollar to sell their music on a machine they invented. Like th this is the biggest genius of understanding of leverage that ever was. I think Steve Jobs is a genius. And ultimately the third way of learning leverage is your business model. Most business models are not designed for leverage. A rental business model is leverage. You get a customer once, they keep coming back forever. A franchise is leverage. A license is leverage. A wholesale business. These are leverage business models. Uh, again, all in the books. Keep reading them. Keep doing it. Dang, buddy. We, I'm racing today. I feel like I'm on, on Hey, on man. I, it's, it's, a, it's a plethora of great info. I would have cut you off. We're going long, but I would have cut you off if uh, I wasn't. you weren't giving nuggets here, and, and they're good. So... Let, let's let's I, I you you this is fantastic information and um it's just a, a wealth of of great points like the leverage thing like right and just looking for people looking to start up their businesses because i'm talking to entrepreneurs all the time and uh, you know it's like right it, it's where to start and what are the what are like just like we're saying like you don't learn this stuff in school you know it's like you got to know how do i structure things so that moving forward if i do things a certain way i'm pretty much guaranteed to succeed eventually because part of that isn't just the product it involves pivoting the product yeah. so following the system and it's like part of it is okay well then if the product doesn't work then you got to update and you got to pivot and you 
um, you are pretty much guaranteed to succeed. So this is me, great stuff. Let me finish off then with the one thing that I tell you will guarantee people success. It was something I was taught when I was 16 years of age. I met uh, Jim Rohn, E. James Rohn. And uh, I sat in a seminar in the Brisbane City Town Hall in Australia and took notes for the entire day. I remember spending $595 at 16 years old to sit and listen to Mr. Rohn. And uh, at the end of the day, three things stood out to me. Number one, he said, never wish your life were easier, wish that you were better. And uh, as a 16-year-old boy, I was always wishing everything would come easier type thing. And it was one of those aha moments. He backed that statement up with the second one. He said, uh, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Work harder on yourself than you do on your job. I ran down to Mr. Rowan after the event and got him to sign my notes at 16. And I said, Mr. Rowan, is there something you can tell me that will guarantee me to be successful as a young man? And this is what I want to teach to everyone to finish it up. He said, son, it's real simple. Read a book a week for the rest of your life. Not a book a month, not a book a day, book a week for the rest of your life. You do that, I guarantee you'll be successful. Within 10 years, you will be rich, you'll be happy, you'll be healthy, you'll be everything. You read a book a week for the rest of your life, you will have the most amazing life there possibly could be. Uh, that was when I was 16. At 31, I got to open uh, for Mr. Rohn in Sydney, Australia for 5,000 people. I was his opening act. And I took my notes down to show it to him again. And he said, wow, these are amazing. Please call me Jim. I said, yes, Mr. Rohn. You know, some people have <laughs> the right to be Mr. Uh, and that was him for me. He was one of those mentors that just got me there and, and helped awesome. me understand it. But to most people, if they stop learning, you, you can't out-earn your learning. It's no more complex than that. And so... You want to have a growth business, then you better be a growth owner. If, if you keep growing, the business will keep growing. So, and yeah. That's a great way. That's a great place to stop growth owner. I mean, everything you've been talking about, I, you know, you've been on the roll, so I, I didn't even want to throw it in there. And I love that you, you it's a perfect exclamation point. I, I, I always tell people there's two different ways to, to live your life, a fixed victim versus a growth owner. And the fixed victim is that, like you're saying, like, oh, maybe one day I'll hit the lottery, like Jim Rohn said. Never. <laughs> I wish my life was easier. I wish this. I wish that. Versus, okay, a growth owner says, okay, well, I was born with certain strengths. I was born with certain passions. I got to figure out what these are. I got to figure out how to hone these, use these to my advantage. I was also born with weaknesses, just like everybody else. I'm going to figure out how to work around them, how to outsource them, how to mm -hmm. figure out how to navigate so that that's not, you know, slowing my momentum down. And then I'm just going to kick ass, take names and just never stop taking action and set goals and just keep going, going, going until I get there. Like, that's it. Business, your, your life, like everything. That's the, that's the key. Yeah. Listen, buddy, I love what you're doing out there. Keep doing it. Keep sharing. Keep teaching. Keep educating. And thanks for doing that. I appreciate you doing it. Well, I appreciate you. And it's wonderful to talk to people that have been doing this for as long as you have. And um, I don't always learn. Um, well, that's not true. I, I guess I always learn something when I do these, but. This was a wealth of knowledge for me, so I appreciate you and my viewers as well. Thanks. Hey, Pat. take care, everybody. Bye for now. All right, we'll be in touch. Okay, take care. Bye, Brad. That's it for today's episode of the Five Core Life Podcast. If you have not already, please follow and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. And of course, if you got a ton of value and you think someone else in your network might as well, share the podcast so others can enjoy. That's it. Now it's time for you to go fire on all cylinders. See you next time. Get moving. Build momentum. Join the movement. Go to moremomentum.com to take a free life evaluator quiz on where you currently stand in each of your five cores.